0: i I'm Michael, for those who don't know me. Lovely to be with you online in Co and um, in other places. That's fantastic. And uh, I just really felt, you know, sometimes art can be incredibly prophetic, and it never replaces the Word of God, right? You know, as good as this is, and as wonderful as Mia is, and I'm embarrassing her now, so I'm enjoying that. Uh, <laughs> she's got her back to us, so she'll be okay. Um, but, you know, it, we have to go back to God's word, don't we? And, you know, God's word speaks to us, um, speaks to us about who we are in Christ. And, um, but I think, you know, this is, I'm a very visual person. Some of you in in the room will be visual people. And sometimes you can see something like a beautiful piece of, artwork like this, and you can think about what's God saying, and then you go back to the scriptures. You know, is this a theme in scripture that God is wanting to redeem our lives? Is this a theme in scripture that, you know, Jesus is, is the good lion, but he's not the safe lion? You know, sometimes he comes and, and deals with those things in our lives that need to be dealt with. Hebrews 4.12, talking about the sword of the spirit, the word of God, dividing the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. Not that those things are bad, but sometimes you know they've been damaged in the course of life and allowing Holy Spirit to bring restoration and healing in those lives so that we might be more perfectly able to model the love of Jesus and reflect the love of Jesus in the lives of others. And it's a great way to preach because that's probably used about 10 minutes of my sermon time already. So um, <laughs> I'll start my watch from now, shall I? I won't start it from the beginning. Um, here we go. Fantastic. I want to share with you um, this morning on this theme of still standing. And the thought occurred to me, as I said in the 9am, that I am still standing, right? And um, I've been a Christian now for over 50 years. I'm still really young in the head. Sometimes um, I'm told I am quite young in the head. Sometimes I think I might have entered my second childhood, but um, that's another story. So, you know, but the the body is certainly getting older. Had an active day yesterday of pruning the, the apple trees and the pear trees, so feeling a little bit stiff today, but um, it, it's all good. I want to share with you just four simple thoughts this morning about things I've found in my life that helped me at this stage of my life to still be standing. And not just standing, but enjoying the season of my life. And I want to say to you, if you're in a season of life that's difficult, I get that. You know, sometimes life is hard, but I want to encourage you that this season too will pass. And I want to encourage you just to take hold of Jesus in the midst of the difficult season. You know, don't think that the season has to be passed and, you know, you've got it all together. Jesus is not interested in embracing you when you've got it all together. Jesus comes to us and embraces you and I in our brokenness. So don't fake it till you make it this morning, all right? You know, if you're feeling broken, that's okay. Come to Jesus in your brokenness and allow him to meet with you in that place and to take you on in that journey. Um, The four things that I I wanted to talk about this morning really revolve around John chapter 10 and verse 10, and and poor Kit out the back, I'm just mucking up all my slides this morning, but she'll sort them out, that's great. John 10 verse 10 says, the thief's purpose is to steal and destroy, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And that's been the story ever since the Garden of Eden, right, right through to the current day, as the enemy's been out to kill, to rob, to steal and destroy. But God is wanting to redeem your life and my life, and we're going to pray for people at the end of our gathering um, this morning, just really believing for miracles, signs, wonders, and miracles following the preaching of the gospel, because they're signposts of the kingdom. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I just del- I'm just i looking forward to the day when I open up. I bought a copy of the Waikato Times this last week, and um, it wasn't, it, I haven't bought a copy of a newspaper for so long, but I long to open up the newspaper, you know, and just read about the miracles of God rather than opening up the newspaper and reading about all the problems of the world. Wouldn't that be so cool? Awesome. You know, people set free and delivered. A um, person walked out of the 10.30am gathering at Rurikura praising Jesus, you know, it would be awesome, wouldn't it? So in Acts chapter 22 in verses 2 to 24, if we can have that slide, please, Kip. I think it's slide number three. Um, it just talks about, that was Jesus' ministry. How did know that people know that Jesus was the Messiah? It was because the signs and wonders and miracles that accompanied his ministry. And Luke writes here in Acts chapter 2, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you, by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did amongst you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's, for God sets purpose and foreknowledge and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it is impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And so we see in Jesus' ministry, and then in the disciples' ministry, and then in the ministry of the early church, that um, signs and wonders and miracles were a demonstration. They always should be pointing to Jesus. Weston Carrier, who was an evangelist in our movement, he used to be in um, gatherings such as this. And Kit might have a picture of his book, hopefully, um, to put up. Oh, yes, I see it there. That's great. Um, Nick Klinkenberg and um, his son put together, you know, all of the miracles that Weston saw over his lifetime. And he'd be in a meeting like this, and he'd say, is there anyone who's sick? And people would put up their hands, and they'd say, oh, hallelujah, that's fantastic. Say, Weston, what are you doing? It's not good for people to be sick. You see, because we will now see the power of Jesus displayed in our midst. As a humble Taranaki dairy farmer, you get down on his knees, and um, I've probably gone out of picture now, sorry about that, and you say, Lord, you know, um, I can do nothing, but Lord, you can do everything. Be honoured and glorified in our midst. And then as people got healed, you say, Go back to your GP, get it verified, and then send in the testimony. And this book is full of thousands of miracles that have happened here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. A testimony of the healing power of God. So four things about how do you remain standing. The first thing I want to share this morning is that unconditional love is an act of spiritual warfare that brings redemption and restoration in people's lives. And I guess ultimately we see that in the Father, right? Sending His Son, Jesus, to die for us, that we might have redemption. And some of you know the story with our daughter Catherine. We went to visit her last weekend we talk about our three years from hell, when she was 12 to 14. I said at the 9 a.m., I think we're in our in our, um, our years of, of going to heaven. We went. She's 29 now, and she's the assistant manager of hunting and fishing. And for dinner, she cooked us up a smoked brisket. I've never seen a piece of meat that big in my entire life. I thought I've died of, of cholesterol and gone to heaven. You know, it's like, oh, this is amazing. Smokely cooked in the Traeger for eight hours. And then she boated it. I thought, what do you do when you boat meat? You know, do you kind of put it in like I don't know a kayak and take it down the? But no, you kind of. Some of you know you know what boating meat is, don't you? You wrap it in tin foil with all the juices and you put it back in the Traeger again and you cock it some more. And it, when it comes out, oh, delicious! So we're in a wonderful season with her now, but it wasn't always that way. And looking back, I think the thing that was transformational in her life was we learnt, and it was a process of learning what it meant to love her unconditionally. And to love someone unconditionally doesn't mean there aren't any boundaries around that, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But it was God's unconditional love that is transforming her and and continues to transforming her. And she hasn't recommitted her life to Jesus yet, but she will ask. She says, oh, Dad, will you pray that I can can, um, get a decent car for a decent price? I said, I'd be happy to pray for that, but you know that when that prayer is answered, that's God at work, right? Oh, yeah, Dad, sure. And so we pray, and sure enough, She's bought herself a nana car, a Suzuki Swift. Um, so uh, that's a miracle in itself, right? <laughs> Traded in the gas-guzzling Toyota and is now driving around in a nanocar. So she says that's adulting. Apparently, it's what happens as you get older. So that's all cool. The story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 is a story of the father's unconditional love for his son. And um, there are just some things that we learn from that story that I just want to briefly mentioned this morning. Unconditional love doesn't mean that we rescue those we love from their mistakes. Okay, so just because you're on the journey, and, and I spoke with some people in the 9am, and they're on the journey with their 12-year-old daughter like we were, and it's a difficult time for them. So it doesn't mean if you're having a difficult time with someone in your whānau, extended whānau, flatmates, relationships, whatever that looks like. It doesn't mean there aren't any boundaries, but you, you learn what it is to love without rescuing people from their mistakes. Unconditional love leaves the door open for future restoration. I've taken many weddings and funerals over the years, and sometimes I've seen family members, and they haven't spoken to each other for a month, a year, for a decade. And I want to encourage you if you're in that situation this morning, and maybe there are members of your extended whanau who you don't speak about, or you know you don't have anything to do with. What's Holy Spirit saying? And you have to experience God's unconditional love for you, for you before you can do this for others. And some of you may not be there yet, and that's okay. You know, it's a journey to experience God's unconditional love, but you'll know when you have experienced it because then you're able to share that love with others. Unconditional love's not possible without compassion. You need that revelation of God's love. Unconditional love does not hold unforgiveness. And unforgiveness doesn't put it, make it all right or doesn't pretend that it never happened, but it means that you choose that, that, that um, giving forgiveness is an act of choosing that that unforgiveness doesn't determine the course of your life. And lastly, unconditional love does not violate the sovereignty of the individual in any way. People make dumb choices, right? You experience that? And that's the sovereignty of the individual. It's their dumb choice to make. But how do you support and walk with people on that journey? As I saw this lion before in the sword, that was one of the things that God had to deal with me in terms of dividing, like the soul from the spirit, because I'm so pastorally motivated. My natural tendency is to want to rescue people, but sometimes you actually have to hold back and allow them to experience the consequences of their action. You know, sure, there needs to be food on the table. They need to be safe. You know, there needs to be shelter. There needs to be clothing. All of those things. Sometimes there are kids involved and they need to be taken care of, but you still need to be able to support without rescue. And that's part of unconditional love. I guess in the Garden of Eden, we see that, don't we, with our Heavenly Father. Didn't stop loving Adam and Eve, but there were consequences for their actions. So God's work was redemptive, but he didn't rescue them from the consequences because the redemption of their lives was more important. I spoke about this at um, North, Rotatuna North, a couple of weeks ago. About the nature of unconditional love. So, if you want to know more about that, go and have a listen to the podcast. The second thought for this morning is you can't remain standing, um, you can't remain standing in your independence. We champion independence as a, a society, don't we? It used to be when I was young, the 21st was the big thing. I'm not sure, what is it now? Is 18 the big thing, or is nothing the big thing anymore? But I remember when I was 21, we had a, um, a big kind of get-together at the Manukau Hall. is uh, a little place between Levin and Otaki, population of 400 on a good day, counting the surrounding area. It's a little bit like where we live now in Eureka, the Eureka Hall, that would be an equivalent. And people gathered together and we kind of celebrated. And you used to get a key for your 21st. Did anyone get a key? I didn't get a key for my 21st. I'm not sure whether my dad thought I didn't, you know, it wasn't safe to give me a key or (laughs) I don't know. But um, it's okay. You know, a sign of independence, we kind of, we think that that's, and in a sense, you know, it's a good thing to be celebrated. But when it comes to our Christian faith, as you become more mature in your relationship with Jesus, independence isn't the goal. In fact, as you grow... Deeper in your relationship with Jesus, you realize a greater dependence upon God is what is required. And when we see the um, parable of the prodigal son, and we see the father there, we see that, you know, for the younger son, he wanted, in Luke 15, he wanted his independence, didn't he? And the father gave it to him, even though he knew that having that much amount of money would be destructive in the son's life. And it probably nearly bankrupt the father to give, you know, half of his estate. Imagine if you're a, a dairy farmer and, and your younger son comes and says, I want half of the estate. How do you finance that? Especially with interest rates as they are at the moment. I mean, you know, probably would have nearly bankrupt him. But the father gives that to him because he knows that the redemptive factor is going to be greater in the son. And then we see the son coming to the end, the younger son coming at the end of his resources and going back and saying, Father, you know, I'm not worthy of anything. And we see the father's unconditional love and the restorative effect of the younger son knowing what it is to love the father with a dependency. And the older son, who's still in his independence, right? Dad, you've never killed a fatted calf for me. You've never done anything for me. And still not really understanding what it is to be loved in that kind of way by the father. You know, independence is something that we kind of um, champion as a society. But I want to encourage us, if we're going to still stand, if you're going to be standing, you know, 50 years, 70 years, whatever it is, then we really need to have that dependency upon God and to trust him. And I had a, a kind of a picture in my mind. Um, one of the earlier paintings was of a shield. and It was like, you know, a little kink. Independence can be like a little kink in the shield. and It's like the enemy just keeps on tapping on that floor in the shield, and eventually it will give way. You know, there's just kind of like something there that's broken. And I think sometimes um, the enemy will do that with our independence. We'll just continue to hit that until there's a breakthrough in that area. And when we learn what it is to be dependent upon God and dependent upon one another, we can stand strong in those areas of our lives. The third thought that I want to share with you this morning is you can't remain standing if you maintain an attitude of entitlement. Um, in Matthew chapter 20, there's this fascinating story um, about, uh, I think, he, a man who owned a vineyard and he decided to employ some casual staff for some work on the vineyard. So uh, some of us rock up at the beginning of the day and we get paid a day's wages. I, I nearly ran into trouble in the 9am of suggesting how much parents should pay their children, but I thought, you know, I might have given twice the going rate and I wouldn't be popular. So no figures mentioned, but you rock up and, you know, fair day's wage for a fair day's work and then some come at 12 o'clock, and so the vineyard owner employs another lot, and then some come at 3 o'clock, and the vineyard owner employs some others, and at the end of the day, do you remember what happens? They all get paid the same amount. I don't know about you, but I'd be a bit ticked off, wouldn't you? I've worked eight hours out in the hot, you know, Waikato sun. We don't have haven't too many fine sunny days lately, but it's one of those hot days, the fog lifted, and, and um, you know some of your other slackers turned up at lunchtime, and some of you gross slackers turned up at three o'clock, and we're all getting the same amount of money. And it just really puts that kind of thought on what does it mean to be entitled. And sometimes on my worst days, I think to myself, Michael, you deserve better than this. Do you ever do that, or is it just me? <laughs> Michael, you deserve better than this. And then I think, actually, Michael, You don't deserve anything. It's by God's grace and mercy that you are saved and redeemed. And the spirit of entitlement is a subtle thing, but it chips away at us. And I think I'm just going to talk briefly about the three temptations of Jesus when he went out into the wilderness. And they're all issues really around entitlement. And we'll, we'll just move quickly through these. Matthew 3, verses 3 to 4, the first temptation, it's really about are you going to settle for the physical or the spiritual? And uh, during that time, the devil came to Jesus and said to him, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And sometimes I think, remember when Pastor Sheridan said to us, a spiritual problem needs a spiritual solution. Well done. You should all get chocolate bars for that. (laughs) And, um, you know, sometimes it's just a temptation, isn't it, to... You know, to actually um, not sacrifice physically to take time to pray or to fast from food so that we would actually see a spiritual breakthrough in situations. Putting it more practically than that, sometimes on a Sunday about 5 o'clock or so, I'm just thinking to myself, oh, I don't know if I can be bothered coming to the 6pm gathering tonight. And when I when I when I kind of press through that and come, and by the way, I'm not suggesting that you all come to the six pm gathering, so don't feel condemned. But if you feel convicted, that's all right. <laughs> I'll leave you to sort out the difference. Um, but when I come, I'm always so blessed and encouraged that I came. And it might be like that for you in different areas. What happens when you wake up in the night and you feel the Holy Spirit saying, "Michael, pray"? Oh no, it's the middle of the night. Go away, you know. Or what happens? Um, if you just feel a nudging and prompting to call someone or message someone, to speak to a stranger, to pray for your flatmates. You know, those those opportunities where we don't kind of press in and take hold of the realm of the Spirit. The second temptation is really one over pride versus humility. Matthew chapter 4, verses 5 to 7. Then the devil took him to a holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you're the Son of God, jump off. For the Scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And there are those situations where we actually need to take hold of God in the season that we're in. But sometimes, you know, just with what we're going through, we don't take hold of God in the midst of our brokenness and our, our suffering and our anguish. And here's a, a time of vulnerability in, in Jesus' life that the, de- the devil's coming to try and exploit for Gillian and I, it was when our grandson, Damien, died at 18 months old. Some of you will know the story, but we were in Waikanae. I was actually, we were in Wellington. we have actually been playing with him that morning. Um, you know, he was running around in his green dinosaur suit and sticking his fingers in the dog's ears, as 18-month-old kids do, and we went up to Waikanae, which is about an hour's drive north of Wellington, to speak in a church there, just going back to Wellington Airport to jump on the plane back to Christchurch, and got the call, come to Wellington Hospital. Your grandson's died. You're like, you're kidding. We were just playing with him this morning and as i said at the nine o'clock holding him in, in my arms and walking with him um, down to the mortuary mortuaries are always on the bottom floor aren't they so it's a long long walk and just meeting with with god and my brokenness and lostness i was ticked off i was angry and it's okay in those situations to be ticked off and angry but somewhere in the midst of that brokenness you need to take hold of jesus i need to take hold of jesus so that tragedy in my life would empower me rather than condemn me. And we've had lots of opportunities to talk with people, pray with people, be with people on the journey in their suffering and their brokenness because of the journey we went through. So meet with Jesus in your suffering and your brokenness. Don't fake it. Don't pretend you're in a different season. Be be vulnerable. Be be real. Meet with Jesus in the season that you're in. and And Jesus was able to do that. It wasn't kind of swayed, you know, with the things that the devil was tempting him of, you know, an easy way out. You know, the angels will look after you, but he could trust God in the midst of what he was going through. And the last temptation is really about power versus empowerment. And in Matthew uh, 4, verses 8 to 10, next the devil took him to a peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you'll kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and only serve him. Interesting, isn't it? The the devil was promising something that was already his, but it was about timing. And sometimes that's what happens in our lives. Will we actually trust for God's timing? um, Or are we going to kind of settle for something that's not really God's timing because we just don't want to wait any longer? And that's a temptation for all of us. I remember uh, that happening for us when um, I was running the family orchard and we were waiting for it to sell so we could go to Bible college. It took two years for the family orchard to sell. And then when it was sold, I was sold with it to manage the orchard for another year. So it's like three years saying, God, come on. We could have been at Bible college three years earlier, you know, and been more effective for you. And yet God was happy for us to wait in that time. And I look back on that season of my life and I think those were the time when I learned so many things that God will use in my life. And some of you will be in that, in that season right now. You're looking for a breakthrough. It's like, God, where are you in this season? Have you lost the plot? Don't you know I'd be so much more effective for you if you just got me through the situation that I'm in and then we could get on with the next season? And Holy Spirit's saying, trust me, Michael, trust me in this season. I'm in much less of a hurry than you are. Formation takes time, doesn't a person's life. And when the timing's right, I'll release you into the next season. And for some of that, that will be true for you as well. Yep. The third point, that I, last point that I've got, um, which I'm not going to share this morning, um, was really talking about the whole aspect of you cannot remain in when you're distracted. And I just really wanted to encourage us to keep the main thing the main thing. Yep. Why are Christians so into conspiracy theories? <laughs> That's where I was going to go with that, but I'm not going to go with that this morning because that could be a distraction. What I want to do in the time that we have is I really want to pray for people for healing because there's signposts for the kingdom. And Jay was telling me there were 16 people who were healed last week. How good is that? That deserves a clap, doesn't it? Thank you, Lord. Amazing. And we're going to stand in a moment, but I'm going to um, read out some, um, some words of knowledge. And words of knowledge, I've been in meetings like this so many times where you think, oh, but he didn't read out my word of knowledge, what I'm looking for, anyone who needs prayer, just put your hand up, right? That's an act of spiritual warfare right there, to have the courage to put up your hand. And folks will gather around you. We won't leave you hanging, and we'll pray for you. But if these um, if these are helpful to you, just to encourage you to take a step of faith, I think that's why God gives words of knowledge. Um, someone, um, the word of knowledge I got was had pancreatitis. I don't even know what pancreatitis is but I understand it's a real thing so if you've got that I'm sure you'll understand what that is. There was someone else and you have toothache this morning and toothache's a horrible thing isn't it? You'll know if you've got toothache going on. I felt God was saying there's someone who has high blood pressure but you actually haven't got any symptoms of high blood pressure but you just really have got an inkling that there's something wrong in the area of your blood pressure and if that's you, have the courage when we stand to put up your hand and folks will gather around you. Someone else who's got a painful left wrist, and God's wanting to heal that. And also, we'd love to pray for couples who are struggling with infertility. Jillian and I went through that, the, the monthly cycle of hope and disappointment. We had a bit of a laugh at the 9am because there are so many chocolates handed out. September, I thought there must be something happening after Christmas. So I thought, wouldn't it be great if we prayed for couples struggling with infertility in September, and then we can have lots of babies. I don't know, what's nine months on? And then we can just, it'll make it so much easier for Carolyn when she's shopping for chocolate. She'll be able to spread the supply, you know? Won't we'll have this hump in September, but we'll have a baby boom later on. So um, so that'll be good. So can we stand together? I don't think the Holy Spirit's left the room, has he? I think that was okay. So if you'd like prayer this morning for any of those or anything else, can you have the courage just to raise your hand? And please, we believe in the body... Um, the sort of all believers. So don't leave people hanging if they've got their hands up. Can you just gather around them? There's a hand over there. Hand at the back, hand in the middle. Thank you so much for your courage. Gather around these folks. Hand right down the back as well. Some people put their hands right up. Some people kind of go for this sort of, you know, the, and it's fine. In the middle, thanks Sarah, that's great. In the front here, can we gather around? Anyone else? Okay, we're not gonna ask these folks what their problem is. We're just gonna pray together for them and just believe for God's healing and restoration for their lives. Can we do that? And then we're gonna look forward to hearing the testimonies later on. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for those who've got the courage to put their hands up this morning. Lord, we speak healing and restoration over their lives in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you're a good father with good gifts for your children. We thank you on the cross. Lord, you said it is finished. You triumphed over every principality, every power, every demonic stronghold. Lord, we speak to spirits of infirmity and we say, be gone in the name of Jesus. We speak healing over people's lives. We speak to this pancreatitis and say, be gone in the name of Jesus. Toothache, be gone in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray for those who have high blood pressure, maybe not even with the symptoms, but Lord, we pray for healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, for that painful left wrist, healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray especially for those struggling, couples struggling with infertility, Lord. I thank you that children are a gift from you. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would know your hope and your encouragement. And we speak healing in the name of Jesus over their lives. Lord, I pray that hope would arise again within their hearts. We pray that every work of the enemy, to kill, to rob, to steal and destroy, would be broken in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord.